Hey, everybody. Are you with me when I say life can be amazing at times, but it can also be extremely challenging? I know. I've been there myself. Learned some valuable life lessons along the way, and now I'm here to help you. It's no coincidence you found your way to the Relevate podcast. I'm your host, Rena Olson, a self-proclaimed inspirer of others. Together, we're going to dive deep into raw and honest conversations with real people. My hope is that through these stories, you too will be inspired and ready to tackle whatever's holding you back or breaking your heart. Then you'll be free to live a life of purpose and true fulfillment. I promise it's possible. Let's Relevate. Hey friends, welcome to the Relevate Podcast. I am so glad you've joined me for this episode called Namaste, eh? That's right. Today we are talking yoga and fitness with my friend and yoga teacher extraordinaire, Carrie O. Originally from Canada, Carrie is fire and ice, strength and beauty, and she teaches one fabulous yoga class. She's a motivator and an inspiration to me. If you've never given yoga a try and would like to learn more, or if you're a lover of the practice of yoga, well, then this episode is for you. Carrie O, welcome to the Relevate Podcast. Thank you. I'm so glad to have you here in my house, in my studio. Excited to be here. To be able to share a latte together and talk about health and fitness. I really appreciate you being here. So first, I'd love to learn a little more about you, Carrie. I know you're Canadian, eh? Yes, I am. Totally, eh? So I was born on Vancouver Island, and I grew up in the interior of British Columbia, which is about northwest, about middle of the province of British Columbia. And then Mm -hmm. I moved back to Vancouver. So I grew up in the Canadian Rockies near Banff and Lake Louise. And then I went back to Vancouver to do my undergrad and graduate work at UBC Mm -hmm. and West Coast College. That was in human physiology. And then I did a uh, a three-and-a-half-year master's degree in massage therapy. In Canada, massage is covered by medical insurance. So we have to have quite a bit of education, Mm -hmm. 3,500 hours with a thesis and everything like that. Uh, I was already a personal trainer since 1990 before I became a massage therapist. So I was already kind of in the health and fitness industry. Mm -hmm. And uh, and then I lived in Vancouver for um, until, I guess, 2000. And then I moved to New York City where I started my own practice there and was teaching. And and I'll get a little bit into it with you about how I found yoga Mm -hmm. uh, from New York. Very cool. So what brought you from Canada to New York? Well, from Vancouver to New York, I was on vacation uh, in between college semesters, and I met a guy from New York. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, we dated long distance, and he asked me to move to New York when I graduated and finished my, my master's. So uh, that's what got me into the country. I actually mm-hmm. uh, got a teaching certificate, uh, temporary non-immigrant visa, and they sponsored the school sponsored me into the country. So mm-hmm. that's how I kind of made my way here. So did you end up with this guy? I did not end up with him. I did end up meeting my husband about a week after uh, the first guy and I broke up. (laughs) In New York? Yeah, in New York City on Park Avenue and 39th. His office was across the street from a gym Mm -hmm. where I was personal training and doing massage therapy and some motivational speaking and uh, also teaching at the the Swedish Institute College of Health Sciences. I was in their uh, Western faculty. Wow. Yeah, so they sponsored my way into the country. Very good. And yeah. you just met him on the street? I met him in the gym. Uh, he was a member there and uh, just kind of, hey, you know, high in passing. And he started talking to me one day and next thing you know, we were having a glass of wine together. <laughs> and then married and four kids later. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I love that. Wow, I didn't realize you had four kids. Yes. 23, 21, 11, and 9. How old your oldest? So the older two are stepkids from his first oh, marriage. Okay. And they were four and six when we met. He had been divorced a few years. Oh. And uh, so they've become my daughters. So I really, you were a mom. Yeah, right? I became a mom instantly and never thought I would want children or marriage. Mm-hmm. But I saw the way he was with his girls mm. and it made me feel maternal. And I had such a, have and had such a great relationship with them, uh, still Help them with their papers. And yeah, exactly. Oh, I love that. So how did you end up in Atlanta? So my husband was uh, doing consulting work for insurance companies and that kind of thing. And he was working from home in New Jersey, just outside of New York. We had bought a house. Mm -hmm. I was still working in New York City for six days a week, uh, Mm -hmm. kind of crazy hours. And uh, he got an offer from one of the consulting gigs in Alpharetta. And we decided that we wanted a little life change because mm-hmm. the older two girls were off to college and the little Perfect. ones were three and six at the time mm-hmm. when we moved. So we decided we were going to make a move and lifetime, I had started teaching yoga at lifetime already. And, um, it was easy to transfer down here. We mo- we came down, looked at places and I met Tanita, uh, one of the supervisors oh, at yeah. lifetime. I was practicing and she found out where I was from and said, Hey, are you looking for a job? <laughs> She's amazing. Yeah, she's she's very amazing. I love her. Yeah. I love her. So let's talk a little bit about your fitness journey. Sure. It sounds yeah. like you were kind of always on that track if you yeah. went to college. Well, I started with sports from the time I was three or four years old. So my mom has always been into fitness. She was doing aerobics and running clubs and all oh, that yeah. fun stuff, even before mm-hmm. it was cool, like leg warmers. And my dad was a pro athlete in hockey and baseball. He oh, still that's... plays at 73 years old. And uh, so he he trained me in track and field and basketball and mm-hmm. volleyball and you name it. I was in the sport figure so skating. You had it in your genes. Yeah, and my mom was always supportive. We you know we she took us figure skating every mm-hmm. morning at five a.m. Uh, my dad you know did all the other stuff, mm-hmm. and I was literally in every sport you can imagine. And uh, it was fun for it you. It was really fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean there were days that I didn't want to get up at five a.m. Yeah. in the middle of winter, mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, you know it really shaped who I became. I also had a musical background too. They kind of made everything really diverse. I played Mm -hmm. the piano and I went to choir and played the flute. And so they were really keeping me busy. And I don't know if that was to keep me out of trouble or not. (laughs) With meaningful activities. Meaningful activities. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Yeah, And then I kind of uh, ended up in Taekwondo and got my black belt and decided I wanted to compete in that. (laughs) That explains it. Yeah, that explains a lot, probably. (laughs) And I decided I wanted to compete in that. And uh, and then I ended up moving out to go to college. And I found bodybuilding, which was a really weird thing. Mm -hmm. I just was dating a, a man I met in college. And he went to a small, really hardcore bodybuilding gym. And in Mm -hmm. the back room, they had a little tiny aerobic studio with uh, step aerobics. Mm -hmm. And I started doing it. And the owner of the of the gym said to me, what are you trying to do back there? And I said, well, like any woman, I'm trying to be fit and I want to look good. And I was, you know, in my late teens, early 20s. And he said, well, you really need to lift weights to get Mm -hmm. the shape you're looking for. You can't just do aerobics. It has to be very well rounded. And that was all they really offered there was weights and aerobics. So I actually became a bodybuilder. Mm -hmm. I started competing. I did very well at that. And then I decided five years later that I really... So um, did you really bulk up? Um, no, I always competed in lightweight mm-hmm. division, which is under 114 you're pounds. Just not very, your frame is not Yeah, very I'm not big. very big. So I'm, I'm only five foot two. So I, I would come in at the very top of the lightweight class. So I'd be the biggest girl on the stage at 114 pounds. Wow. 
uh, and all the other girls were more like the really tiny, petite, mm-hmm. 100-pound girls. They didn't really have to diet that hard. I, I really had to diet hard to get down. Mm-hmm. And then I got asked, uh, after winning the provincial, uh, it's like the state championship mm-hmm. there, after winning that, uh, I got asked by Dorian Yates, who at the time was Mr. Olympia. His group came up to me, and I thought they were. I thought it was a joke. Mm-hmm. And they came up and asked if I would be part of the Western Canada Tour for Dorian Yates, who was the Mr. Olympia, the pinnacle of all bodybuilding. And I laughed at them and said, yeah, right. <laughs> Yeah, send me the information. And it ended up being real. It was real. And I did that. And I decided that at that point, there really wasn't getting any higher than that for Mm -hmm. what I wanted uh, Mm -hmm. without using illegal substances to get to the next level. All the girls were starting to take, uh, they were doping, they were taking steroids and all that kind of stuff, cutting drugs. And I just didn't want to do that. I wanted to be natural. Yeah. And I also found that uh, all the dieting and the body image, things that happen for women, especially who are in those uh, different kinds of sports where they're looking at your aesthetic, mm-hmm. it can be really damaging for women. Um, yeah. So I decided that that wasn't going to be for me and that I wanted fitness to be part of my life because it felt good, mm-hmm. not just because I looked good or yeah. that people could point out where my flaws were. I really wanted it to be something that I felt in my body um, and that I could take away mm-hmm. from the gym or wherever I was, yoga, running outside, walking, it could yeah. be anything. So was that kind of your pivot point? That was my pivot point. I was 23. Um, I had already become a certified personal trainer at that time. At the behest of many of my friends, I was getting a lot of uh, people coming up at the gym and asking for advice on diet and exercise. And I thought, you know, let me just parlay that into a kind of a mini career on the side because I already had a job with the city of Vancouver and I wasn't sure if I was going to get into medicine or where I would go. So I got a good job and was personal training. And then I started going for massage therapy because my neck was bothering me from sitting at a desk mm. and I was, you know, trying to get workouts in any way I could. And then with the personal training background, my therapist said to me, you should be in massage therapy. And yoga was also kind of had kind of come to me at that time, just kind of dabbling in yoga a little bit here and there at that time I was probably 18, 19 between that age and 23. And then the yoga scene was not really happening. No, no, there was, it was not, um, there were really not a lot of men taking yoga and it was not mainstream. And I found a Bikram studio. Mm. Um, I think my sister found it and we went together and it was kind of a fun girl, girl activity uh, to, to do together as sisters, but I wasn't really serious about it. I, I didn't yet know at that age what yoga could do for me. Yeah, definitely. So let's, let's talk a little bit about yoga mm-hmm. and just the the many benefits of it because mm-hmm. I think people that practice it get it mm-hmm. and all the many benefits. I mean yep. I've I've been doing it pretty much exclusively for maybe three years now and I just um I mean I really just love it. You feel for, it. Yeah. It, yeah it just afterwards I mean I can be having the worst day mm-hmm. and I can come to your class and it's like yeah. it just total reset in a lot of ways. So if someone's never taken a yoga class, Mm -hmm. just Mm kind of talk us through what, what is really the magic of yoga? Well, I will tell you that when I moved to New York City, uh, New York City for a Western Canadian girl is not the friendliest place. The way people are is very different. And I had a hard time with that. Um, Mm -hmm. We, I come from a very diplomatic, polite society, very British almost in our way, mm-hmm. way we do things. And I had to kind of learn how to be in New York and uh, was just in a difficult relationship. 9-11 happened that year. Oh my uh, I had, I was there when it happened wow. and uh, it was, I was looking for something. Mm-hmm. I was feeling anxious mm-hmm. all the time and running around New York and just with like a chicken with my head cut off, um, feeling anxious all the time. And I didn't even have children yet. Yeah. I can't 
you know, I can't imagine how I would have felt had I had children already. And the college where I was teaching pathology and neurology and all these really crazy topics, next door to it, a Bikram studio opened. And the owner was this wonderful man named John Goldtrman. And he had such an impact on my yoga career, I guess. Mm -hmm. I would go five days a week to this Bikram studio. It felt so welcoming. And there was this feeling of being safe. Like there was a community Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and even though I didn't know any of the moves or the names, the Mm -hmm. teachers were really kind and there was a feeling like everybody was in it together and everyone was nice and friendly in a place where it isn't really nice and friendly most of the time. So I, uh, that kind of started my, my yoga career. I actually did Bikram, Ashtanga, Vinyasa, prenatal Vinyasa, Kundalini, Iyengar. I tried them all. Mm -hmm. And, uh, then I found Lifetime, and Lifetime has this own their own system of yoga, their own special brand, I guess, of yoga. Mm-hmm. And I became a teacher, and what it, what it really did for me, it deepened my practice, but it made me understand that yoga is about achieving, it's not about the postures, it's about achieving internal composure. Mm-hmm. And even if you're having the worst possible thing happen in your life, a death of a loved one, bad relationship, whatever it may be, depression, could be anything, mm-hmm. yoga has a way of taking you out of your monkey mind, that headspace where your totally crazy does. voice is telling you lies all day long and right. you're, you're your worst critic. Mm-hmm. Yoga has a way of pulling you out away from that monkey mind, slinging stuff at you all day mm-hmm. and um, creating a sense of calm and peace mm-hmm. and uh, almost a antidepressive effect. Totally. And when we teach yoga or when I teach yoga, I can speak for myself. The styles I primarily, primarily teach are Ashtanga and uh, vinyasa flow, heated mm-hmm. flow. Um, I feel like uh, what happens for people is in the West is they think it's all postures. Right. And really, um, postures are just a vehicle. Mm-hmm. And we have lots of vehicles that can take us to that yoga state that we want to get to, that internal composure, that feeling of um, equanimous mind, uh, steady state, relaxed. Mm-hmm. Is The breathing is really important. The postures are important because it gives you something to focus mm-hmm. on. The engagement of core locks, like your belly button, just gently tugging it in, that gives you something to think about and focus on. Mm -hmm. And keeping your eyes steady uh, also has a way of relaxing your mind. When your eyes dart around, you're very fight or flight. Mm -hmm. We want to get you to rest and digest. And that feeling Mm of Mm -hmm. an improved vagal tone, we have a vagus nerve that causes us to relax. And when the tone of that nerve is high, um, we feel better. We feel relaxed, Mm. alert, but relaxed. Digestive system is happy. Respiration is happy. Yoga kind of stimulates all of that to happen. So vagus nerve, where vagus is that? Nerve. Vagus nerve is a cranial nerve, cranial nerve 10. It's called the wanderer. <laughs> and it's got one of the biggest functions that it has is parasympathetic, rest and digest. <laughs> so it travels from the brainstem through the front of the neck. The medial mm-hmm. third of your collarbone mm-hmm. dips down inside the thoracic spine and into the respiratory area and the abdomen. Oh, my word. So um, it basically improves digestion, respiration when it's functioning correctly. Mm-hmm. When it's not functioning correctly, we feel fight or flighty. Yeah. And so, and sometimes the vagus nerve can have too much of an impact and we faint. It's called going vagal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if something might scare you or you uh-huh. just get overloaded and your body just wants to knock Fainting you out. Goats. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I think I might have had that feeling in your class before. Yeah, that can happen. That might be, might have been the heat. <laughs> Too funny. So that that's so amazing. 
Thank you for sharing that. So I myself am very passionate about health and fitness and the importance of taking care of our earthly body because it's the only one we will ever have. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure everyone already knows the benefits of exercise and healthy eating. Let's talk about some of the barriers that keep people from reaching for health first instead of treating the disease state we end up at the doctor because we haven't taken care of ourselves. I think uh, I think one of the things, well, yoga is not the only thing. I feel that cross training is really important for people. If you only ever do one thing, uh, you don't get the benefits of all things. And right. so some of yoga can be the meditation side of yoga, and you could go take a restorative class. Some of it could be the power yoga. You need that push. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of it is important to, to uh, try cardiovascular and strength exercises and flexibility. Now, yoga combines a lot of those together, which is really the wonderful thing about yoga. But I think what happens for people is they, they're not feeling good physically or mentally. They reach for things that are detrimental to themselves. And then it starts this kind of pain tension cycle where they just, they want to feel better and they keep reaching for the things that are bad, bad food, too much alcohol, too much caffeine, right. uh, not enough sleep, mm-hmm. um, just abusive behaviors for the body. Uh, I try to think of, I've, I've started instituting this actually right after I finished bodybuilding. I really had a struggle with um, how to approach food in a healthy way mm-hmm. and not feel guilty about bad foods, quote unquote, because mm-hmm. uh, we were trained to think of bad and good foods. We had a mm-hmm. bad day, we had a good day. Right. And, and we can think that way in exercise too. And that mm-hmm. can be very self-defeating mm-hmm. because if you feel like you had a bad day, you've always been bad and you'll always be bad. And then you end up not going because you associate bad feelings. Right. And the way to kind of get around that, and a thing that I instituted for myself that really helped me was, how am I going to feel? I stop myself and I say, how am I going to feel after I drink this, eat this, ingest whatever it is, Mm -hmm. do this activity, not get enough sleep, whatever it may be. And it could be that the activity is even damaging. Like maybe running 13 miles isn't what my body needs that day. And how am I going to feel after that? And then I pay attention. Mm-hmm. And some t- there are days where I go to the gym and I think, I'm going to go lift weights. And my body goes, no. Mm-hmm. And it needs cardio and stretching. Right. Or there are days I go to yoga and I'm just not feeling good. Mm-hmm. And I, I need to just lay down and take child's pose. Yeah. And one thing that uh, lifetime teaching at Lifetime has empowered me as a teacher to do is allow the students to be on their mat in their space mm-hmm. doing whatever they need to do. I had a woman come into class last week who just laid on her back during the entire class. I went over and checked if she was breathing. <laughs> but uh, afterward, I said, oh, are you okay? I noticed you were just laying there, and, and I hope you, you had a good experience. And she said, I just had a great class. All I needed oh. was to lie down on a mat in a wonderful community space mm-hmm. and feel like it didn't matter what I did. And I thank you for that. So mm. knowing That's she awesome. knew, I was so proud of her, yes. and I don't even know her, for knowing what her body needed in that moment. Yeah. There are days when you're going to need to just rest. Mm-hmm. And there are days when even just a walk around the block is good, good yeah. enough. When I think a lot of people are who've never taken yoga before are intimidated because yep. all of the names sound, even the names of the classes, Ashtanga, mm-hmm. Vinyasa, I mean, that's kind of intimidating. It's very intimidating. And then you think about, you know, all the poses have a name yep. and everybody's in there them. and they, mm-hmm. you know, the, the hot, some rooms are hot, you know, it's like it just becomes overwhelming. Yep. So they don't go. So what would you say to that person to encourage them to just give it a, a shot? Well, and, and this is something that uh, I kind of instituted. People always ask me, how, how are you so disciplined about going to the gym all the time and going to yoga and doing this and doing that? I actually pull out my planner 
well, it used to be a day planner. Now it's a cell phone <laughs> yeah. with, a, with a calendar. I pull out my calendar and I plan for the week. What is really feasible for me to get to the gym mm-hmm. or wherever I want to go? Uh, like Monday, what do I have going on? Where could I fit in a workout? And what do I feel like doing? Mm-hmm. And then I write it in like an appointment that's oh, nice. for myself. Mm-hmm. And then I'll, if I can make it to that class a lot, then I'll put it in as a recurring thing every week and I'll go, you know what? My ladies at step class are waiting for me today. Like, and they'll save me a spot. And there's this feeling of like, my friends are waiting for me at a class. It's not necessarily just about the class. Mm -hmm. It's about that community of people that you go to see. Uh, The other thing that I think um, is to find that community and that thing that you like to do, um, because it makes you want to go, Mm -hmm. which is really important to find that one or two friends that... You just, you, you hold each other accountable. You text each other and say, Hey, are you coming today? Yeah. And they need it as much as you do. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would say make it an appointment, find your community, find the things that really make you want to get up and go to right. do it and just show up. Yeah. I put Don't my, be afraid. yeah, I put my yoga clothes out at night and mm-hmm. in the morning I throw on the whatever I'm wearing and I go out the door yeah. and I go without thinking about I it I don't think about it I just go I don't think well do I feel like it I know that when I get there and I try something I'm going to feel better afterward I've never gone to a class especially yoga mm-hmm. and felt like I wish I hadn't gone exactly I always wish Me I too. I always wish I had when I didn't right um, and no matter how I'm feeling that day tired low energy, fatigue, sore muscles, Mm -hmm. any of that, um, emotional challenges, something at home with the kids. I always feel better after I show up and that you can tell any teacher, a good teacher will take a beginner under their wing Mm -hmm. and give you extras and modifications. I really try to make every class that I teach um, accessible to everything from someone on their first try Mm -hmm. of yoga to the most advanced practitioner in the room and that everyone in the middle can get something Uh, from the class. So there's a term that I've heard recently about what happens when you're in group fitness class. It's called collective effervescence, Mm -hmm. collective effervescence. Have you, have you heard that term? I haven't heard that term, but I have heard collective consciousness. So we use that a lot in yoga. Mm -hmm. There's a feeling of, um, it's almost a shared endorphin experience. It is. It's, it's, they would, I mean, I don't know a lot of research on this, so I'm not quoting anything, but I would say that when you're in something together, it's like you're in the trenches together. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I let's say I'm holding my group in plank. I do it with them. I get down in the trenches with them. I use body language and try to use motivational words and mm-hmm. music because together we're all struggling through this moment and breathing through it. And we come out on the other side feeling uh, yeah. connected to each other. Yeah, yeah, totally. It's very cool. Okay, so what do you think are some common misconceptions that people have about <clears throat> yoga? I would say that the biggest one I hear is, well, I'm a be- there's a couple. I'm a beginner. I don't know the names of the poses. Therefore, I can't come. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's their, their challenge. And I just tell those people that any class uh, where the instructor is experienced and knows how to teach people, they can provide the visual, auditory, kinesthetic means for you to get into a pose. The other thing is, is you can look around for inspiration. Sure. You can find that there are people in the room who are advanced and they don't mind that Mm -hmm. you emulate them. And it's totally okay. Uh, Also telling the teacher that you're new makes the teacher give better cues. So, you know, it's important to kind of let people know if you have an injury or if you're Mm -hmm. new. Um, The other thing is flexibility. I hear a lot that uh, people, oh, I'm not flexible. I can't come to yoga. Well, first of all, the best way to get (laughs) flexible is coming to yoga. Uh, Second of all, yoga is 80% strength. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. It is not about flexibility. It's about being strong. Mm-hmm. And actually, the people who are too flexible have it the worst because they have to push themselves in deeper into every pose to even feel it. Hmm. So their risk mm-hmm. of injury is much higher uh, when they're overly flexible than the people who are stronger and less flexible. Yeah. Yeah. So strength really is 80% of it. Very cool. And I love the balance poses. And I can tell when I've got that monkey mind mm-hmm. going because I can't, I can't hold the balance poses. Yeah. Because you have to you have to focus yep. in order to be balanced. Yeah, and some women find that hormonally, um, you know, around that time of the month when your estrogen kind of peaks, it also uh, upsets your balance. Oh, really? So that's something to know. Uh, the first half of your cycle, you tend to be stronger physically, mm-hmm. and the second half, uh, not as much. You can there's research on all of this, um, but the effects of estrogen with balance and strength. But the one thing that I teach in the class uh, around balance is if you're finding that looking up causes you to lose stability, you should look forward or down. If you mm-hmm. look at the ground and find a focal point, we call it the drishti. If you find that, it's easier to maintain your balance than if you're trying to look up at your fingertips in the air or something like that. Yeah, and you start taking yoga and you get all these cool new yep. words in your vocabulary mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. drishti. Yep, and and one of the cool things <laughs> uh, my Ashtanga students say, Ashtanga is a neat kind of yoga because it's the primary series is, is traditionally the one that's taught, uh, that's mm-hmm. led. There are other types of uh, Ashtanga where you go, it's called Mysore, you practice at your own pace. But the lead primary series, which is what I teach, is really neat because it's the same sequence taught over and over and over again. So every week you come in or every class you come in, you see the changes happening. Mm -hmm. And uh, every time you come to a class and you start to know the sequence, you get something different from all the cueing. So as you get more uh, experienced at Ashtanga, it's less thinking about the pose itself and more about the cues that go along with it. You get a lot more from yeah. it. Just like riding a bike, it becomes almost second nature. Yeah. It's totally different from vinyasa. I remember the first time I took Ashtanga, I did That's not like it. I was like, it's <laughs> never it's going to end, Carrie. <laughs> and it's not as fun. It's, it's not. not as we know our vinyasa classes are very creative, very upbeat music. Mm-hmm. Um, Ashtanga is much more militant, more, um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, trying to be really uh, disciplined uh, but what you'll find is if you give Ashtanga a chance, it actually impacts your abilities in a vinyasa class. You're stronger, mm-hmm. uh, you're more flexible, yeah. and the vinyasa feels easy and flowy and fun. Yeah, They go very well together, in my Definitely. opinion. Definitely. So what would you say to the person who's never really been able to, you know, maintain a workout or get, um, get healthy and fit, and they just feel that it, it's not possible for them? What would you say to them to encourage them to give it a try? Uh, I would say um, look around, shop around. There are so many options. Mm-hmm. There's these little boutique places where you can do small group fitness, like three or four people. There are privates. You can get someone to come to you. You can go to someone who offers private sessions mm-hmm. if that's more your thing. You can go to a bigger gym where you're more anonymous and there's a bigger group. That can sometimes be the way. You really have to look at what you enjoy. What works for uh, you. What works for you and your time frame. Like if you find that the only time you can work out is really early, really late or lunchtime, then finding a bigger space with more class offerings is a, probably a better way to go because mm-hmm. you can find something during the day that'll make you go and be accountable. I think I think for people who are not used to having self-motivation to go to the gym or yoga class or whatever it may be, Pilates even, they need to have a class time or yeah. an appointment that they make for themselves with mm-hmm. an instructor that they pay for that makes them accountable to showing up. 
And, uh, you know, even that way, you know, someone's waiting for you. It makes you want to be Mm -hmm. there. I think that really helps. I think remembering that even if you have a bad day, a bad week, a bad month, a bad year, even, um, it's okay. And if you fall off the horse, just get back on, just get back in there, put your workout clothes on, no matter how they feel, or go buy a new outfit. If that makes you feel better. And sometimes I get really excited about a new outfit. It makes me want to go work out. I'm like, Oh, look at my new yoga outfit. Um, but sometimes it's, it's, just remembering that um, if you had a bad day with food, with workout, with whatever it may be, you always can, you can do a do-over. Mm-hmm. I tell my 11-year-old son all the time, let's do a do-over. We don't have to continue right. this train of thought, this behavior, this pattern. We can start over again anytime we want. And knowing that um, just because you had a bad day or week or month or year doesn't mean you're not going to have a great day, week, month, or year tomorrow. Exactly. And don't wait till January to get started. Yeah, any time is good. Anytime Actually, is January good. is too busy. Start in the summer when no one's there. Right. Um, right. And when you feel like uh, there's a type of exercise that you really like or that inspires you, you'll show up more. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people fight themselves and say, I just have to run. It's what I have to do to be in shape. And they hate it. Right. And it makes me sad because it's like mm-hmm. an exercise should not just be about how you look. And, and how much, how many calories you can burn and all that stuff. It's more for me, it has become for me a, a way of feeling good. Yes. There's that feeling of antidepressive, uplifting, endorphins, mm-hmm. positive energy. Absolutely. And as a woman, we need other women around us who mm-hmm. are positive influence mm-hmm. too. It's really important. Um, I think men need it too. I just think it hasn't been researched as much. Yes. And that feeling of community just keeps people coming back. And what... Mm-hmm. One of the neat things about uh, yoga in the last probably decade that I've noticed as a teacher is that men are making up half the membership and it's really wonderful. And even young people, old people, we have everything all over the range. Mm -hmm. It's so nice to see everyone kind of coming to it and realizing how good it is and how wonderful it can be for them. Right. And then we have the classes, I'm not sure what they're called, where they're just like chill out classes. Mm-hmm. Surrender. Just kind of laying on your mm-hmm. on your mat and doing really gentle stretches yep. and breathing. And it's um, it's really just so that, that umbrella is called the yin side of yoga or restorative mm-hmm. or um, surrender meditation. Those are all really wonderful things, too. Those can be an adjunct to your other workouts that you sure. do. Sure. And I believe that for those people who who need to find a way to get started, life is always about baby steps mm-hmm. and small increments mm-hmm. will take you where you need to eventually go. Yep. They right? actually start walking, yep. just get yep. moving. Yep. Um, Sometimes it's it's a matter of just getting up and leaving your house. Exactly. And, and maybe you have to have a destination. Maybe it's a coffee shop. You want to go get a coffee mm-hmm. or you want to go look at the new housing development or go to the mall and walk around, right. but get out of your house. I think that people feel very isolated and that makes them not want to mm-hmm. go. Um, whereas these big group classes and even small group classes create the sense of community and welcomeness or welcoming effect that has a, a major impact on our emotional state. Yeah. Makes us feel better in general. and. Yes feel like we're not alone. Exactly. And then there's the whole eating portion. Mm-hmm. I mean, because you you really need to do both. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so many people, you know, they'll go hard in the diet, mm-hmm. do the whole 30. You know, it's like, for me, I've just reached for sustainability. Yep. Do things that are sustainable. Because yep. anytime you deprive yourself or you make the routine too hard, mm-hmm. you're, you're, you just can't maintain it. Yeah, I've never, uh, I'm, I'm also a nutritionist. I've never really believed in fad diets. I, they always mm-hmm. worry me a little bit because I don't think it's something you can really maintain. Right. I try to look at more of a 
European approach to eating. Mm -hmm. They sit down, they focus on their food, they have smaller portions, they have a glass of wine perhaps, they lay down and have a nap afterward. They don't work 16-hour days and and eat a piece of pizza at their desk or while running down the street. Uh, They they really enjoy and make a a ritual out Mm -hmm. of eating and drinking. Anything that they have that passes their lips is, is reverent. Mm-hmm. And I think that's so important to also allow that time for your meals. So do you cook? I do. I do. More of an Italian feel. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. <laughs> I eat bread. I eat cheese. I have anything I want within moderation. Mm-hmm. I always try to pick whole foods if I can. Mm-hmm. And if something makes me feel really good or I'm really craving it, I'll have a little bit of it. I won't eat like an entire chocolate bar, but I might have a piece of dark chocolate mm-hmm. uh, because that's what my body needs. Maybe there's some magnesium deficiency somewhere. There you go. Yeah. And so if, if I can pay attention to those needs and really tune in, I, I got very good at that when I was pregnant. I noticed that there were certain things that I really needed and I just knew I had to have it, but I didn't overindulge in anything. I had mm-hmm. a few bites and I was like, eh, that was good enough. Yeah. You know, I really just listened to my body and um, it's so important to pay attention to that inner voice, that inner uh, want uh, mm-hmm. of certain kinds of food. If certain kinds of food make you not feel good, then stop eating them. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's really good advice you give using the the model of the Europeans because they eat slow. Mm-hmm. And when you eat slow, mm-hmm. right, your brain has yep. has a chance to register those fullness signals or whatever. Yep. Yep. Leptin whatever goes up, ghrelin goes down. So you have more satisfy hormone and less hunger hormone. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is your digestive system works better when you're resting. All of your um, enzymes get released, mm-hmm. your peristalsis, those contractions of the intestines improve. Mm-hmm. Your, um, your your cells are just really absorbing the food in a better way when you're resting. Yeah. When you're stressed out. Oh, I can feel a difference happen. on my, mm-hmm. when I'm keyed up. Yep. That's such good advice. So who are some of your role models? My role models. So first set of role models would be obviously the most close people to you, I think, are your biggest role models. My parents are Mm -hmm. amazing. They're still amazing. They always were. Are they Um, still working out? They are still working out. Uh, They are no longer working, but they are working out. They're now (laughs) traveling. That's what they do. Oh, love it. (laughs) They just got back from Hawaii and they're leaving for Croatia very soon, like three weeks to Croatia. And they just got back from a 30-day whirlwind tour of Abu Dhabi and... India and Africa and everywhere. So they, they're really um, enjoying their time right now. Mm-hmm. Um, they were always just wonderful role models. I ha- I didn't realize how good they were until I had my own kids. Yes, uh, I always kind of knew it on some level, and um, I didn't give them any trouble, but I really, di- I really realized later in life how wonderful, positive, mm-hmm. the message was always positive, uh, kind of an over-encompassing theme. If you fall down, pick yourself up, mm-hmm. dust yourself off, move forward. And that's that idea of mm-hmm. even if you had a bad day, you can turn it around. You can have a do-over, and you're going to be okay. And the, all you need is you. And um, they were always really positive. Like, everything you need, you've got it. You, you've you got this. Mm-hmm. You can do it. And that constant positive talk um, yeah. and positive message, I, I kind of emulate that mm-hmm. inside. So even when that little voice wants to tell me, oh, you're not as good as you think you are, you're not this, you're not that, you're not thin enough. You're not pretty enough. You're, I mean, the voice tells you all these crazy yes. things. And um, I just try to shove it away and breathe through it like mm-hmm. we do in yoga. And just remember, you got this. I, my, my mantra is, you're a rock star, sister. <laughs> I, I, love I say that to myself when I'm doing yoga. <laughs> and it happens. That's what happens when you believe something. Mm-hmm. You become it, mm-hmm. right? Um, 
other role models, uh, my husband, he's wonderful. He's such a great parent and such a just amazing life partner. He really understands me and, and celebrates who I am. Um, all of my kids are great. I, I really admire what they're what and who they are becoming. I think as far as more celebrity style role models, I would say Tony Robbins and what he's achieved. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you can like or not like people when they're famous, but I've watched his podcasts or listened to his podcasts. I've watched his specials. He has helped and reached so many people. Oh, yes. Um, that I think no matter what you think of him, he has accomplished mm-hmm. something really big right. and great. Um, any female um, teacher in yoga who's gone beyond and kind of broken through that male-dominated field is always wonderful to see. There's a woman named Kino McGregor who teaches Ashtanga. She's an Ashtangi through and through. She has a uh, Instagram feed or whatever where she's on a different beach every day doing handstands in the sun and she's always smiling and I just am like I want to be her when I grow up she's just always happy and kind of hanging out doing yoga on the beach I think that would be a good way to to yeah get into retirement (laughs) yeah and going back to Tony Robbins and just Mm -hmm. the message that he puts out there just of I mean he's all about positive living health yep fitness. Um, a lot of that is countercultural because, um, you know, people would expect, you know, kind of, we have, we have a whole lot of negative coming at us. So I love the fact that, um, you know, a lot of this is within our control and to carve out that sacred space where it's like, okay, I'm going to take an hour for myself today, just for me. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go to the gym. And if I need to sit in the steam room for Half of that, then that's okay. Yeah, that's totally okay. Because that's what your body and brain needed at that time. Mm -hmm. There's something that's really neat in one of his uh, specials called I Am Not Your Guru. They follow him around and he, it shows him meditating on the, on the beach, on the ocean. It shows him doing cold and hot plunges. He spends a lot of time meditating and really concentrating and turning inward and doing some focused work. Mm -hmm. Another uh, person who's, I guess, more celebrity style is Brene Brown. Oh, she's Uh, amazing. Her Daring Greatly um, special was Mm -hmm. very powerful. I've read a lot of her stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. I find her really amazing. There's another author named Melody Beattie who um, I've got a lot of her books. I use them. I use a lot of her stuff from her books as inspirational quotes Mm -hmm. at the end of yoga she does a lot of uh, working on codependency. That's her big thing. Yeah. Um, but she's an excellent author. So oh. those are some of the role models. There's so many. <laughs> I know. I love it. So one last question yes. for you. The word relevate means to uplift or inspire. What words of advice do you have for people as it relates to health and fitness and how it's transformed your life and made you better? Well, I think we, we are what we repeatedly do. Excellence then is not an act, but a habit. I have that expression mm-hmm. from Aristotle on my website, on my business card. Uh, I think that, that the whole point of that quote is that if we just make a habit out of things, we just show up, no matter what we're feeling, no matter what's going on for us, we make an effort for ourselves, then good things always happen. Um, excellence is not an act, it's a habit. It's mm, not. You don't have so to be good. the best at something to be good mm-hmm. and to feel really good. And remembering that, you are worth it. Uh, you are worth making an appointment for for yourself. I tell my students when they show up to class, give yourself this gift yes. of 75 minutes mm-hmm. on your mat. You are totally safe on your own little island, mm-hmm. and it's about you. Yes. And we don't. A lot of us don't do that, and it's so important to make that time for yourself because life goes very, very fast. 
It really does. Well, I thank you for being part of Team Rena yes. and helping keep me grounded and healthy and whole. And I know there's a whole lot of people who feel that same way about you. So thank you for sharing your gifts, for sharing this great words of advice that you have for my listeners and just my pleasure. for being uh, a rock star sister. My pleasure. Thank you. Okay. Namaste, eh? <laughs> I'll see you on the mat. Okay. Sounds good. So who's ready to give yoga a try? I love what Carrie said, that excellence is not an act, it's a habit. Health and fitness is just that, a habit. And like any habit, whether good or bad, you just have to make up your mind to get going, to seek a healthier lifestyle, to work toward getting stronger or more flexible, to find healthier ways to deal with your stress. To be your best possible self. I know it's possible and that you can do it. Our bodies are truly, fearfully, and wonderfully made. If you've never exercised before, it's never too late to get started. And for those who regularly hit the gym, good job. But maybe it's time to try something new. I'm so thankful for you and your support of the Relevate podcast. It's tradition in yoga to close with the word namaste, which means I bow to you. Thank you for tuning in and listening as together we are working to get better, stronger, and more hopeful about what the future brings. Inspired by today's guest, Carrie, today I say namaste. I'm Rena Olson, and this is Relevate.